I was raised very traditionally and in a very strict household. So I was taught how to be a good wife and a good mother before I was even taught how to like pursue a business or have a career for myself. My brother hacked my emails, printed them out, showed them to my mom, and my mom was just calling me a whore, calling me all these things. It was the moment that I attempted suicide. Oh, let me cook and clean, let me do this, let me be the perfect housewife so that he can love me more. I have always been this type of person that feels like I need to earn love. We decided to live apart together because I couldn't get out of that pattern and I couldn't break it. When and why did you get to the point where you said, I want to try living separately? I actually started my shrooms trip journey in June 2021. And that's when the first time ever that I, the doors opened and I was like, oh my gosh, there's people out there talking to me. That was the moment where they said, you have a big message. Are you ready for your life to begin? Make the sacrifice to begin your journey, to align with the life that you're destined to live. Like, I have to do it. Like, when you get that message from God, you don't say no. <laughs> the truth is... Welcome back, everyone, to Diary of an Empath. My next guest is Sana Akhand. She went viral for a very controversial situation of which some don't really fully understand. I am all for it. She decided that she wanted to live separately from her husband, but still being married. And this sparked up some interesting conversations and got women thinking, this may or may not actually work. So today we're going to talk about this and, and get into if this is something that may work for others and why. So Sana, welcome to the show. Yeah, Chris, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I love this topic because it's so funny that before we connected, this is something that I actually talked about on my podcast and it sparked a lot of controversy. So I, I want to get into it. But before we do, I want to know a little bit about your background because I think that sometimes we get into these like traditional roles that we're supposed to do A, B, and C growing up. So what was your upbringing like and, and what was that expectation for you? Yeah, exactly. I was raised very traditionally and in a very strict household. So I was taught how to be a good wife and a good mother before I was even taught how to like pursue a business or have a career for myself. I remember in high school, I wanted a part-time job at the mall, just like all my friends were having one. And my parents were like, "Who? Like, no, you don't need that. Do the chores that we have in the house for you. Like, it was just this whole thing of be a good wife and a good mother. And that's it. Like, that's your purpose in life. And that never resonated with me. I was always this like super ambitious, super like career driven person. I saw my parents be entrepreneurs and that was always something I really wanted to do. So, yeah. And we were talking a little bit before the show started. So your background is Pakistani, right? Do you feel like your upbringing had an effect on who you became or who you are now? And was anything, did anything not resonate with you in terms of like how your upbringing and what that traditional background looked like versus what maybe your family wanted you to be? There's a lot of pros and cons to it. I think that the nurturing side of me, I definitely get from my culture that I love, but then there's also parts of me that overgives and, you know, 
diary of an empath. I became an empath because it just is something that were ingrained in us from generations before that the women sacrifice themselves, their dreams, their careers in order to serve their family. And that was never really who I wanted to be. But when I got married, I found myself just naturally going into those traditional roles. And I didn't recognize myself at a certain point. And it it just became this like, aha, wake up moment where it's like, hey, you're living a life that you like, didn't want, like, what are you doing? That's when I realized that I fell into it so easily because of it's just been what women do in my culture for so long. What were your parents' relationship like? And I ask this because, you know, similar to you, probably not not exact how you were, but I grew up in a, my mom was Palestinian and Brazilian. And when her mother died very young, she got sent to live with her, her dad's side of the family, very strict Muslim, traditional Palestinian family. And I think based off of those relationship dynamics, it kind of shaped her into her belief system. And she kind of exited from that side of the family because she wasn't resonating with it. And then here I am growing up and me seeing my mom and my dad's dynamics. And that really kind of shaped how I viewed relationships and how I had like this distrust with people. So I'm really, really curious. What was your relationship with your parents like and how did you view them in their relationship? So like my parents growing up were very physically, emotionally and mentally abusive. So they felt like religion is the first and only thing. And then like, like I wasn't allowed to talk to guys. I wasn't allowed to really see my friends outside of school. So, and I ended up becoming kind of a rebel. I have an older brother and older sister who kind of like played by the rule book for the most part. But for me, I don't know what it was. I was like, not going to have it. I was, I was sneaking out of the house to go hang out with my friends. I was, you know, had a boyfriend that lived in Chicago. I talked to him on the phone all night long, got caught all the time. My parents called me the troubled child. I had a really turbulent relationship with my parents growing up. And I think that when I got to call, I actually had a really bad situation when my brother hacked my emails, printed them out, showed them to my mom. And my mom was just calling me a whore, calling me all these things. And it was the moment that I attempted suicide. I ended up in the hospital. And I remember my parents trying to just like brush that off as it's not a big deal. Like, it's just part of life. Like, I remember they um, prescribed to me therapy sessions and a minimum of four we did the four sessions. I love therapy. I was like, oh my God, I'm actually being heard for the first time in my life. Um, but then my parents didn't like believe in therapy. They think that like, oh, you're not crazy. Like you don't need therapy. After that though, my relationship with my parents did change a little. I think that they like eased off a little bit. I was also starting college. They realized that I'm going to talk to guys. Like I'm going to, if they want me to get married, they need to let me like find a guy. So it did get better after that moment. But before that, it was just like really tough. Yeah. And I went through a lot of similar things. Like my dynamics with my mom um, have, were always very turbulent and they're not very good now. Um, we're As I'm getting older, I'm working on it, but it's those boundaries that I've had to keep. And I noticed that for me, I don't know if this happened for you, but um, I developed 
and associated a lot of what I went through with my mom and I took this into adult relationships. Do you feel like there's been some dynamic or some correlation between how you viewed your parents, their relationship, how you viewed relationships in general, and how you started to date? Now that I'm married, I noticed that the way I wanted to be liked by my parents by being a good girl is kind of what I was doing with my husband when we first got married, where it was like, oh, let me cook and clean. Let me do this. Let me be the perfect housewife so that he can love me more. And it was a subconscious thing. It wasn't something that I was aware of until I was aware of it. And I realized that I have always been this type of person that feels like I need to earn love. Like I need to do something in order to receive love. I need to be like doing chores. I need to be taking care of people. I need to be overgiving. And that's honestly why we decided to live apart together because I couldn't get out of that pattern and I couldn't break it while living with him because it was so innately grained in me to just like overgive and over just like serve. I came to a like a realization the other day and I don't know why this just started happening but I realized that as I was going through my childhood and even into like young adulthood in relationships I always had love kind of dangled in front of me like a carrot it's like well here you go and then I'm going to take it away I'm going to withhold oh no I I love you again and then I'm going to withhold it and that was how I viewed love so now as a 37 year old adult and I do have some really great friends, especially when it comes to like female relationships, when they do try to express themselves to me, I noticed, and sometimes even with my daughter, I would notice this like discomfort or an inability to say, I love you back or not with men, mostly with women for some reason. But I just noticed that I was unable to like really express myself or receive that love. And then I I realized that I'm like, that's my nervous system reacting to a possible fight or flight. Is this person going to give me love and take it away? And I just like, I couldn't believe that. Like I came to a realization that that's that discomfort that I was feeling in my gut. Like I couldn't really figure it out. Like, why am I, why does this make me uncomfortable when someone says I care about you or I love you? And that's what it is. I'm like, I've been told my whole life, I care about you. Just kidding. I'm going to ghost you even by men and, and people in and out. Do you feel like Um, the relationship dynamics that you started to have as you got older change? Or do you feel like you had more like anxious tendencies? What did that look like when you first started to get into your your marriage? Yeah, so in the beginning, I was a very anxiously attached person because I felt the same way where love can be taken away at any time. So even though my husband committed to me, is married to me, we have a great relationship, he's an amazing guy, I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like I couldn't ever, there were so many times where I would just be like, I can't believe we're married or like, you still love me, right? Like constantly it for at least three to four years of our marriage. And I'm sure that bothered him where he, he started to feel like, man, like you're really insecure. Like what, what's going on here? Like, I love you. Like, how can I show you that I love you? How can I prove to you that I'm not going anywhere? Um, And that started to cause issues in our marriage because he felt like no matter what he does, he can't love me the way I want to be loved. And I felt like no matter what, I'm never going to feel loved. And then I realized through my healing journey 
that that void in my heart comes from a lack of self-love because I didn't love myself. And whatever I feel inside is mirroring back to me from all of my relationships externally. And when I had that aha moment, then I was like, oh my gosh, okay, let's let's start this healing journey. Let's start learning who I am outside of my relationships, learn who I am authentically, just as me. And it was a really life-changing journey. And now I'm at a point where it's like, I have so much self-love that anything plus, uh, I, like whatever I get from others is just a bonus. So now I'm able to like accept my husband's love exactly the way he wants to give it to me instead of demanding more or needing more because I'm fulfilling my own cup and then his love is just a bonus. And it's really helped. So what was your relationships like before him? And the reason I ask you this is because it seems like there was some kind of epiphany or something that happened within the marriage that, you know, you said, okay, I got to take control of my own healing. But I noticed for me personally, when I look back at my previous relationships, because like you, I'm kind of there, that's like, my own cup is filled. And now anyone who comes into my life who can add to that cup is just a bonus, but I'm not emptying my own cup anymore. But I used to, I was the same way protest behavior, I needed like constant validation. But I would always date guys who had more of an avoidant attachment style. So it's like the more that I pulled in, the more they pulled away. So I'm really curious to what those like, you don't have to go into super detail. But I'm curious as to what those relationships were like, were they different than your husband now? Yeah, so I always was attracted to avoidant men my whole Mm, life. Me too. (laughs) I was just like, Oh, my gosh, you don't want me? What? That's so exciting. Uh, Give me more. I want you more. (laughs) So bad. You know, the most fascinating thing that I learned is that we think that we are anxious when, but if you attract avoidant, it's because you are emotionally unavailable and you're finding someone who is also emotionally unavailable because your nervous system feels safe with that because then you don't actually have to commit yourself. Mm. And it's when, when I met my husband, he was so secure and I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like it, 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 it it was like so uncomfortable for me to Mm -hmm. receive his love because he was just like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. And I'm like, no, where are the fights? Like, where's the chaos? Like, (laughs) this is too safe. Like it almost boring, honestly. Yes. And, um, I, and it took me a while of like, causing problems just because that's what I was used to. Like I was on on and off with this guy for like 12 years before I met my husband. And to me, I thought that was love. Like, oh, you give it, you take it away whenever you want and you just beg for it back. And then it's just this horrible, horrible cycle. And when I met my husband, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take him away. And he was like, okay, bye. It's like, I'm not going to play this game. Like, okay, you want to go, then go. Like, I, I don't have time to waste. I'm focused on my career. I'm here doing my thing. Like, if you want to be here, I'm here. But if you don't, then I'm not going to chase you. And I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, it made me take a really hard look at myself. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this because I don't, I'm afraid of commitment. That's a huge like uh, light bulb moment because I, I love when you talk about the nervous system. I, that's my favorite subject. 
I feel like, you know, for a lot of people, they get caught in these cycles, these these toxic cycles, these relationships, and they wonder why it's so hard to get out of it. But in a way, they're very addictive. You know, you're triggering the, the dopamine and and all of these neurotransmitters that you get when you're in these cycles exactly. of like, you know, getting love and then it's being taken away and then you're being flooded with dopamine and serotonin again. And our nervous system, if you're used to a level of chaos, especially growing up and your nervous system is constantly activated and now all of a sudden it's not being activated because you're with somebody who's stable and healthy, it can feel boring. It can feel that it's not triggering you. So this doesn't feel normal. This feels uncomfortable. Maybe this person isn't for me. I'm not feeling the spark. I'm not feeling the butterflies. Maybe that's not attraction. But and, and I'm not saying that attraction doesn't matter, but I think that if you really look at the root of things, oftentimes you will see that the nervous system, the body and the mind are very interconnected. Even though I was not seeing this with romantic relationships now at 37, I'm not dating, but I'm, I'm very clear on what I want. I thought I'm healed. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready. And then I had to really think like, why am I so uncomfortable when my best friend says, I love you? She said something to me. She's like, you know, you never say it back. And I'm like why don't I say it back? I feel a little, I get that discomfort, you know, or if someone tells me, you know, you've helped me so much. I care about you so much. And is that, I'm like, Oh yeah, thank you. But it, it feels so uncomfortable. There are times when my daughter who I love, who she'll be really affectionate, like, and there's a part of me that is like, what, what do I do? And that's my nervous system that is just reacting because I'm like, are they going to take it away? So it's like that fight or flight mode gets activated. So I love how you talk about that because the nervous system is so important. Can I challenge you on something real quick? Oh yeah, please. So I love that your awareness on when you mentioned that you have this problem expressing love to women more so than men. Have you explored... I know you've talked about this a lot on your podcast about your relationship with your mom. And when I did my inner child healing, I realized that it's not just about accepting all the trauma that happened to us and coming to terms with it, but also specifically our paternal relationship and our maternal relationship, like going deep into healing that maternal wound might open up the your heart chakra to accept love from women. It's opening. It's slowly opening, but you're so yeah. right because literally I I teach this stuff, right? Um, but it's like sometimes when we we don't process things, we think it's processed, but other things are getting triggered. It's a process. And when I started noticing that, I'm like, you know, maybe there is still some some inner stuff that I need to do. I don't think that I've I've processed it. I think that I've just avoided it. Or maybe you're at the awareness stage because I think you're you're it's coming to light a lot of the stuff mm -hmm. that happened to you with your mother and when you were a child which honestly like it's so valid that it's going to take time to process all that but the awareness stage is the it's so important to bring it to terms and then you're able it takes a while, but you're able to slowly understand her relationship with her mother and her father and see that, you know, not to give your mother an excuse at all because they can do better. But when I got to that place of that unconditional love for myself, like I was saying, you're able to really just accept people for where they're at and just say, you know what, this is just part of my journey. They tried their best or not. And I can't change the past. I can only 
move forward from here. And when I got to that place with my maternal wounds, like my mom and I have a very similar relationship to you and your mom, where she was extremely abusive, extremely just jealous of me, like in the weirdest way. And I learned that that's because she has never felt loved in her life. And she has absolutely no idea what love is. She has no idea what it means to love your daughter unconditionally. And she's always seen me as this competition. So it's just like, do I sit here and just like wish my mother was better and complain and cry and, you know, sit in that victim mentality? Or do I say, you know what, maybe this is just part of my life journey and this is my life purpose. And maybe this is what I'm here to help others with is coming to terms with their difficult narcissistic mothers. (laughs) Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. It's yeah, it's hard. I think they they view their children kind of like as an extension of themselves. Um, and so the mother daughter dynamic, especially with narcissist situations is it's so difficult. And, you know, for me, I think the more that I've talked about this, my, my podcast has been like the most therapeutic thing I've ever done, because I've this is the most I've for ever talked about. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I love it because it's it's helped me to process so many things, not just process, but understand myself more than I ever have before. And not just me, it's helped me to understand other people and be compassionate for other people. And it's a work in progress. You know, we're human. But um, for me, it definitely affected those like relationships in my life. And I'm starting to have that realization of, you know, the things that I need to improve with my external relationships because they mean something to me. So yeah. now fast forward for you, you met your husband. Ben. He's secure. He's got this attachment style that is probably good for you and you're not used to it. At what point, if things were going you know, good, you decided to get on your healing journey, you guys were living together at one point, I'm assuming. When and why did you get to the point where you said, I want to try living separately? Because when I posted about this and I was just talking about living in um, working, not working, sleeping in separate rooms. Separate rooms and yeah people, it was 50-50. I had some people that are like, this is why she's single. (laughs) And then I had other people that were all for it. I love the idea of it, but I want to hear your perspective and what caused this. Yeah. So the truth is something that I haven't been able to talk about in big published media is because I don't know how woo-woo I'm allowed to get, but I'm a very spiritual person. And I do these monthly shroom trips on the full moon. And I get messages from my guides and source and God. And um, it was about, I I actually started my shrooms trip journey in June, 2021. And that's when the first time ever that the doors opened and I was like, oh my gosh, like there's people out there talking to me. Um, And then that was the moment where they said, you have a big message. Are you ready for your life to begin? And then July 2021 is when I was told that I am operating too much in my masculine and it's time to step into my feminine. 
And then in August, so I started having that conversation with my husband then about like, oh, I'm, I need to focus on me. Like I need to learn self-love. I need to awaken my inner feminine. And during this time, I'm also doing a lot of deep inner child healing through my journaling exercises and my, you know, healing practices and crying a lot because a lot started coming up. And my poor husband wanted to save me and he wanted to support me and he wanted, he he would like sit there with me. And I was just like, this isn't your journey. Like you need to do you like, don't stop your life just because I'm on this intense healing journey. And we were in a one bedroom apartment in New York city and like nowhere really, really to go for me to cry and like dance and like do the things that I needed to do. So we started talking about getting a studio apartment for me to just go and heal. And then that grew into more of, you know, actually me living there during the week. And then we spend the weekends together. We weren't going to keep that expensive apartment and have a studio apartment because we're not falling like that. So Mm -hmm. then that's when we decided to get the two different apartments. We downsized our apartments, went from a beautiful doorman luxury building in Lower East Side to two walk-ups in Upper East Side and Upper West Side with roaches and everything. But, you know, (laughs) we had to. Like, Was divorce ever on the table for you guys? Like, did you ever say... Like, this is a, you know what, maybe we just need to get a divorce and or separate completely. We did wonder what it meant. We were like, okay, now that we're doing this, what does this mean? Because we never heard about anyone living apart together. We didn't even know it was a thing. And we were like, wait, like, does this mean we should get a divorce? And of course, like, I was in a very vulnerable space at that time because I was like deep in my healing. And I'm like, wait a minute, if he's not there for me when I am so sad. What does that mean? Is he not the right guy for me? (laughs) Like, of course, Mm -hmm. these thoughts went on in my head. Um, But they didn't last like nothing of that negative nature last. I think that was just like, my fears of like, what are people going to think more so than what does this mean for us? Because I knew that our love was rock solid. Because I don't know if you realize, but that is such a huge jump for somebody who has a more anxious attachment style who's been more anxious in relationships to go from that to, you know what, I think I want to try living alone because that that's a threat to the anxious. So that's exactly what happened though. When I was on shrooms, like God told me like, Hey, like you need to heal your feminine. You need to be an independent woman. Like you need to detach. And I was like, what? No, like, what do you mean? Like, he's all I know. Like I never Mm -hmm. lived alone. I never just like, thought that I could be that independent but it was like a childhood dream of mine always to like have my own apartment in New York have a guy that loves me have my own career like something I never got to do so like when I got that message like detach like it was time like sacrifice make the sacrifice to begin your journey to align with the life that you're destined to live like I have to do it like when you get that message from God you don't say no (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for you guys? So if you're living in two different spaces, do you have your own furniture, your your own stuff? He comes over sometimes, you come over sometimes. Who walks the dog? Do you have have a dog? (laughs) No, thank God, no pets. (laughs) No, no pets, no kids, which made it a lot easier for sure. Um, And honestly, like my apartment was so small and cute that it was more like he would come over, but like 
just to like, and then we'll go out for dinner. But um, most of our weekends were spent at his apartment because he had like the one bedroom. It was nicer, just more spacious. Um, but yeah, like I would, like my career was doing horribly at the time too. Like I was literally just living off of my savings and Monday to Thursday for me, were just like healing. I'm just, you know, doing my plant medicine, doing my yoga, doing my meditations, doing my breath work, like just healing and crying and crying and processing and journaling and all the things. And then on the weekends, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to like get back to my life and like go on date nights and have fun with my husband. And it was great because I was able to like really regulate my nervous system, understand my emotions, process my emotions in a healthy way so that I don't feel guilty that I'm just like in this zone of healing. And um, like we lived 15 minutes away from each other. Like we would walk through Central Park to see each other. We would have picnics at Central Park. And it was just like the most magical time too because it really felt like we were dating again. And it just really went from taking our love for granted and that like he's there all the time to like being a lot more intentional with our time together when we were together. And then knowing that like when we're not together, that's my time to like focus on me. So given your background and, you know, you talked a lot about like gender norms and gender roles in your uh, family's traditions and their value systems, their belief systems. Now that you guys have lived apart or live apart, how has that changed your view of gender norms and gender roles? Like, what are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, I mean, again, going back to spirituality, like I, I realized that just because we are female doesn't mean that we're only stepping into our feminine energy. You do have to balance like the yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine and, you know, step into your full divinity as a human being. Like gender is just a construct. Like just because we have these body parts doesn't mean that we are only operating in our divine feminine and we attract a divine masculine and then you come into divine union. No, like you need to be in divine union within yourself in order to attract a divine union partner externally. And that was what I learned is that we like society has like taught us that like men are the provider, women are the caregiver. And that doesn't work to fulfill our soul because our soul craves expansion. Our soul craves to feel the full experience of life as a human being on earth. And we are limiting our soul evolution if we just operate in one or the other. That is so true because I, I feel that often because I feel like I kind of teeter more towards my masculine side and it's it's partly because that's my environment. I'm I'm independent. I'm single. I have a business. There's things that I do that require that masculine energy and I work out and there's all of these things that make it difficult for me to turn that off. And I'm trying to get more in touch with that feminine energy to have that balance because it's it. In that in our society, we say that women are supposed to do this, men are supposed to do this, but it's just not that black and white. But I find myself sometimes, like when I think about, okay, I want a man who pays on the first date. I would like a man who makes X amount of money so that way we can go on trips together. I don't mind paying sometimes, but I do want a man who's more of a provider or at least can provide in terms of let me fix this or let me do this. But I have to take a step back that I'm like, if I want to find a partner 
I may have to kind of like loosen some of those constructs that I have in my head about what um, a man, what a man is supposed to do as a partner. And um, I've struggled with that. Yeah. Did you come to a point where, you know, you struggled with those norms and, and how did you finally let that go to just be like, you know, let's just be, cause that's so yeah. hard. Especially when you're healing, you think like, oh, I'm learning so much. I need you to step like to my husband. I was like, you need to also learn this stuff and step up because I don't want to grow. And then we grow apart and then he stays the same. So there was a time where I was trying to like put like, like force him into healing and tell him like he needs to start doing all these things. (laughs) (laughs) And he was not ready for it. And he, he, he was just like, I don't want to grow. Like I'm focused on my career. Like I'm good. Like, I don't think I have that much trauma to process, even though, like, he's gone through a lot. But I think he, like, processed it when it happened. And he didn't, like, hold on to it, which is why he's just this, like, super secure, like, fucking comfortable dude. Um, But, like, I didn't know that. I thought, like, if I'm this turbulent and I had all these experiences and I know your family and I know you have issues, like, you must be holding on to this trauma. You need to process this. And he was like, no, I'm good. And I was like... I'm going to grow more and I'm going to change and I'm going to evolve and we may grow apart. And what happened was we were fighting so much and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'm just going to go focus on me and you do you. If we grow apart, we grow apart. It just is what it is. Like, I have to just focus on me. And then the funny thing is, I ended up just matching him where he already was. And he still to this day, like teaches me so much about what it means to be like a secure, confident human being in society. And I'm just like, huh, you don't need to like believe in spirituality. You don't need to believe in all these things or you don't need to like do. Some people are just more evolved souls. And they don't need to go through the whole process to become evolved in this current lifetime. Like yes. now I understand that he is my 3D anchor and I am the one that is like in this lifetime exploring my full 5D experience while he's anchoring me here on earth. And that's my he's divine you. counterpart. Yeah. I want that. I love that. I want to manifest that. You know, it's so funny because like when I talked, I never in a million years like would have ever thought I would say the words that I would like to sleep in separate rooms or I would actually be okay living separately. That old anxious side of me would have been like attached at the hip. There's no way if you don't want to sleep in the bed with me, you don't want me. That means you don't love me. But I think that as I've evolved myself, And as I've kind of gotten really comfortable with my own energy and I'm really aware of my energy, I need that time to recharge. I need the time away from people, even my person, whoever that may be. I need that space. And my space is like when I'm sleeping, especially if I don't have any space away from people, I am not going to be able to have my cup that's going to be filled. It's going to be like half empty. Being in your feminine energy, like being in your feminine energy, soft girl era doesn't need to look like what other people are doing. It doesn't need to be like frolicking in nature and like doing all those things. Like yours is your solitude. Like that's powerful. You're filling up your cup in your solitude and that's a non-negotiable for you. And you know that you need that in order to have your cup filled. Otherwise, being too much in your masculine and operating and operating and going, going, going is going to deplete you. 
and like having your own room is crucial. Like having, like now that we're living together, I need my alone time. I take my baths. I do my own nights like multiple times a week because that's my time to connect with myself, my spirituality, my divinity, and just come back home to myself. It's peaceful. Like I I don't, okay, so don't get me wrong. I get lonely sometimes. And there are times when like I want a partner and I want someone to share my life with, but my solitude is peaceful. And anything that threatens that, I just can't take that chance. Like I am trying to manifest somebody who can not only give me the intimacy, but also understand that like, if we just have a little bit of space, it's because we love each other so much that we want to give each other our 100%. And that might take a little bit of solitude. That doesn't mean, you know, I need solitude by going out to the club. No, I just, I need my own space. And it's so refreshing to know that there are other people out there that tried this and to say like, Hey, it works. So you said that you guys live together now. So how long did you guys live apart? And what was that switch that you said, you know, what? I think we want to try living together and how's it going? Yeah. So we lived apart for eight months and then, um, he got a job on the West coast and he was working West coast hours for a few months, which was really draining for him because it was like 11 AM to like 8 PM or something like that. And he was like, I don't have a day. Like my whole day is just working. Like he, we had a he had a work trip in LA, so I came out here with him just to like see what it was like. And we really loved it. And there was this sense of like ultimate like just peace. Like going from chaotic New York to like peaceful LA, it just sparked something inside of me that was like, you need to be here. And that's when we decided to do the cross-country move. And then we thought about getting two apartments here in LA, but we're like, then we need two cars, like yada, yada. Like, that's just the whole thing. Like, what are we going to do? Sit in traffic to like go see each other? Like, no. Um, And I felt like we had the talk. We're like, do we feel like we have solidified who we are independent of our relationship? And are we ready to try to live together again and make sure that we don't lose all that we built in the past eight months and we kind of fell into old patterns when we first moved back in together now it's been six months so for the first couple like month or two it was like back to those codependency habits like just being on the couch all day and like cooking and eating every single meal together and just like just because we're so excited to be together again and then I realized my my depression started kicking back in And I I noticed that my light was starting to dim again and I was losing my creativity and my passion for my work. And I was just like, oh, wait a minute, we're falling back into the trap. Like I need to go take time out for myself to fuel myself and align my chakras and do the things that I love that bring me joy, that light me up and all those things that light my soul up. So what's, what's different now between now and the last time you guys lived together? Like, so if you had to like narrow down some key differences, what would those be? That my alone time is a non-negotiable. Like before I would feel guilty for taking time to myself or like taking myself out on a solo date and be like, wait, why am I spending money out alone when I, we could be on a date together instead? Now I'm like, no, this is crucial. Like self-care, alone time, solitude isn't just a luxury it's a necessity in order for us to clear our blockages and align with our intuition and step into our soul purpose. Like it's just what you have to do in order to live to your full potential. 
What do your parents and your 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 inner circle think about your situation? What was their reaction? Were they supportive? My dad wasn't for a while until recently. So um, I actually had to go no contact with my parents from Thanksgiving 2021 until about Father's Day. So like about six months or so. They were very not supportive. They thought that I am bringing shame to the family. They were like, I don't know what to tell people. Like, are you guys separated? Are you divorced? Like, what the hell's going on? And I was like, no, we're just trying something. And they were like, you're chasing a pipe dream. You're bringing shame to the to the, to the institution of marriage. Um, and I was just like, okay, thank you for your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to change that. I, I need to figure out what I'm doing before I can even defend what I'm doing. Because I didn't even know why God is making me do this. Because it was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my entire life. Um, and then... I needed to just like trust God, honestly. I was just like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, but I just need to like try it. And then slowly, like I had an intuitive nudge to like post it on TikTok and then that went viral. And then I I was on the Tamron Hall show and that's when my mom called and she was just like, I think I get it. She was like, you know, I think that you just want freedom. And I was like, yeah, but also my independence and also I want to know who I am outside of my relationships. So that started opening up the conversation and then she invited me over for Father's Day. But then that conversation went really, really bad. They went back to, you know, I was like, I was depressed when I was living with him and now I'm really, really happy. And then they were, it, it triggered something in them and they were like, oh, what do you, like my dad was like, what do you mean living with a guy is depressing? I was like, Dad, you're like, why are you taking this so personally? Like, what yeah. is going on? That, that that has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they came, they they were just here for the wedding that I just had last week. And that was the first time I saw them since Father's Day. What I realized is they're still the same. They're trying to like not understand, but just like accept me for who I am. And I'm like, the least I could do is just accept them for their lack of awareness and openness to this idea too. And now that we're living together, they have no complaints. They're just, you know, I think they're probably just happy that you're back. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, where they don't have to like say anything to any family members anymore. But um, yeah, I think it was a really hard and confusing time for sure. When you look back at this whole journey, because it really was a journey for you. I mean, you went through ups and downs and challenges and processed traumas that, you know, maybe you weren't even ready for, but you did it. What have you learned about yourself throughout this? That darkness is inevitable. And the more you avoid it, the more you'll be depressed. So you might as well face it. And now you have the tools and resources to know how to tackle the darkness and process it and release it from your body so that you can feel the other side, which is the other side of the pendulum swing, the immense peace, joy, happiness that is on the other side of healing. And healing is forever. Like we're always going to be growing and evolving. And the minute we stop growing and evolving is the minute we start dying and 
I just, I'm not ready for that yet. Beautifully said. I love that. Um, Sana, thank you so much for just sharing your journey, your vulnerability, your story. Um, I love that there's just, it goes so much deeper than just simply, oh, I decided to live apart from my husband. It was a healing journey for you. And um, thank you for sharing that with so many of us who are going through those journeys as well. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such an honor. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great.